Hello, cocktail lovers. Welcome to Paris Cocktail Talk, the show brought to you by the 52 Martinis Guide to Paris Cocktail Bars. I'm Forrest Collins, and I'm here to talk to you about trends and traditions of drinking in France. Now, you know, I've talked about this on the show before, but the French, they, they drink a lot of whiskey. They consume a lot of whiskey. I know it's surprising because we always think about them with wine or pasties, but they're whiskey drinkers. And so for this episode, I wanted to learn a little bit more about American whiskey in a French market from Ashley Donahue, president and founder of the Two Worlds Whiskey, a new brand of American whiskey that was crafted for France. She's got a super interesting professional history. Prior to working in spirits, she spent um, eight years, I think, as a foreign affairs officer with the U.S. Department of State. She is a native of Louisville, Kentucky, and she is fluent in French and English, and she is a Kentucky colonel and a member of the Rochambeau chapter of the Daughters of the American Revolution. So all that stuff makes you think this is kind of cool, like definitely cool to be speaking to somebody about these connections between American whiskey and France. Um, she also holds a BA in French from the University of Kentucky, um, an MA in French literature, and an MA in European studies, and, um, and an MBA in luxury brand management for food, wine, and spirits. So she's like got a lot of good background. This is somebody who knows what she's talking about. So welcome, Ashley. And two questions. Did I butcher the spelling of your, the pronunciation of your last name? Because I forgot to check that. And how did I do on pronouncing Louisville? Um, hi, Forrest. Uh, thanks for having me. You did excellent. Um, there is no wrong way to pronounce Louisville, basically. I was born and raised there and have always said Louisville, but you'll hear, I mean, we, there used to be shirts sold at the tourist shop that there's about seven different ways to do it. So uh, as long as it sounds remotely like it's spelled, except for Louisville, which is the only wrong way. I will correct. Uh, that is the only wrong way. And the last name's Don Hay, so all, all well. Excellent. And is there anything else that you want to add to that intro? You've got some serious credentials there. Is there anything I forgot or that <laughs> listeners should know? No, I think I think you got it pretty well. It's uh, it's a, a lot of school. It sounds like it. Well, I, and congratulations on all that schooling. Um, so I say let's kind of like crack right into it. First, um, before we kind of start talking about Two World Whiskey, I want to talk about, I want to just, can you give the listeners just a little bit of an idea of exactly what is bourbon? I think sometimes people, uh, they, they know the word and they think they know it, but they're not exactly sure really what it is and even that it's a whiskey. It's a great, great question. And, and, and that's especially confusing, I think, here in France, where a lot of people confound the word whiskey with scotch whiskey and malt whiskey only. And they think bourbon is a completely different spirit. And in fact, um, it's easier to explain that bourbon is kind of, if you think about it like wine, it's like an appellation. It's a particular style of whiskey. So, um, you know, all bourbon is whiskey, not all whiskey is bourbon. And so there is a pretty strict um, cahier de charge, as they say in French, on how to make a bourbon. Um, so first of all, it has to be distilled and aged in the United States. Uh, it has to be distilled from at least 51% corn and traditional. Additionally, there are two other grains that go into it. Uh, it's usually rye or wheat, or what we call the secondary grain or the flavoring grain. And then there's always a bit of uh, fermented barley, or sorry, malted barley, uh, which you need for fermentation, but it's usually a pretty small percentage. Um, so after that, it needs to be uh, distilled and then aged in new charred oak barrels. Um, and this is, uh, this is one that catches people up too. It doesn't actually have to be American oak. Uh, it just has to be oak, but of course, by tradition, it is typically uh, American oak, but the really important part is that it is new and charred on the inside, which, uh, as we'll probably get to in, in a bit, has some, some French origins in that particular uh, tradition. 
uh, to be straight bourbon whiskey, there also has to be nothing added to it except for water. And that's one that I think really surprises people because some people have this image of bourbon being a really industrialized product with lots of, you know, caramel added and sugar and people think it's sweet and so that there's sugar added to it. And in fact, that all of the sweet flavoring really comes from the oak. Uh, and, that, and that's where that charred part is really important. For it to have the, the, the name straight bourbon whiskey, there can be absolutely no additives, no coloring. It is just uh, the whiskey and a bit of water if the distiller so chooses. Yeah, I think that's interesting too, because I, I, I do think sometimes people don't realize this. And you know, you have other spirit categories like rum where they're adding sugar and, and lots of debates around that. But I, I like the idea that it is just the straight spirit with a little water as needed. So um, now you touched on, on it on it a little bit already. And I know I've kind of let some people know in, in, in the promotional materials, but I'm really curious about um, the French origins of bourbon. So tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. It's uh, it's really fascinating, actually. So, I mean, even having grown up in Kentucky and being sort of steeped in bourbon history, it's not something that's uh, so commonly known. And it's something that I really only learned when I started really, really digging into it. But, you know, when people think about bourbon and the origins of bourbon in, in the U.S., they often think about sort of Scotch and Irish distillers who came to the United States with their stills, which, of course, is an important part of the story. But as we were just talking about, one of the, the, the aspects of production that really makes bourbon bourbon is that aging in new charred oak barrels. And in fact, it's believed that the first people to have started to do that um, in making whiskey in the U.S. were two French brothers. So there's, they're called the Tarascon brothers. Uh, and they actually immigrated to the United States during the, the terror, uh, during the revolution in France. And they first moved to Philadelphia where they started sort of a shipping company and then ended up moving to a small island uh, called Shipping Port, just across from my home uh, town of Louisville, Kentucky, where they set up an entire um, French um, village basically. And one of the things that they did there was that they had a warehouse and its shipping port is located right on the falls of the Ohio, which is a famously difficult um, area to, to navigate on the Ohio River. And so a lot of farmer distillers at that time would be trying to navigate their, their barrels across the water and would inevitably not make it or need help or need to cross shipping port. And the Tarascon brothers uh, would actually sort of take advantage of their location and they would end up buying the, the unaged whiskey um, from these distillers because most of the whiskey at that time, you have to remember, would have been unaged. It's what we would call white dog or new make. Mm -hmm. And they had the idea to then take that whiskey and age it in charred oak barrels as the French had been doing to make brandy since the 15th century. And the reason that they did this is that their primary clients were the French immigrants down in New Orleans. And of course, down in New Orleans at the time, um, these immigrants were really looking for brandy and cognac um, from, from their, their home country of France. But of course, those products were extremely expensive at the time because they would have been imported. And so when the Tarascon brothers started aging uh, their whiskey in, in oak, they actually started marketing it to the French down in New Orleans as it's like brandy, but made with corn. And they realized that they could get higher prices and, and sell it sort of as a, a more um, luxury product and something that would remind their customers of, of brandy and cognac back home. And so, and it became very popular. It was a successful move. And so it's not only uh, the fact that there are French uh, immigrants who are at the, the, on the, the start of that style of aging the bourbon, but there's also the French down in New Orleans who helped popularize the style. So I think that's a, a extremely important uh, innovation. 
I think that's super interesting. And it's something, I mean, I know a lot about spirits and I, I, and I, you know, very, of all categories, but this is like a lot of this is new information for me. So I love that connection between um, France and the U S and, and their role in developing this, this um, in developing bourbon. So very, very interesting. Um, Now kind of speaking of the French and, and the U S have you noticed these days a different way, any differences in the way that the French uh, approach whiskey versus how the Americans approach it in terms of either drinking it or, mar- I mean, all across the board, marketing it, drinking it, um, uh, appreciating it, et cetera. Sure. It's different in, in many different aspects. So, I mean, I think uh, one that you can look at is um, the way that it's consumed. So, you know, I think back home, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of emphasis put on sort of cocktail making and, and selling whiskey in bars and things like that. Of course, there are there is a huge uh, community that that is of amateurs and connoisseurs who who drink it primarily neat. But I would say on the whole, um, you know, even in Kentucky where I grew up, you almost never had bourbon neat. You'd at least put it over ice. You might put a, a cocktail and you might make an old fashioned. Um, whereas in France, whiskey is really primarily something that you have. Um, tasted neat at the end of a meal, um, usually, you know, after having shared a, a meal with friends and family. And it's a, it's a moment that I really love. And it's a, a style of, of, um, of whiskey sharing that I really love. And uh, it's just there. So it, it makes their approach different um, to it. The other big difference too, is just the way they taste and, and what they look for and what pleases them and disappoints them in a whiskey. And um, that's something I was able to learn um, after I learned, uh, after I moved to France at first, I worked for La Maison de Whiskey actually for as a brand ambassador. And so I was able to travel all over France and do tastings for, for French people in every sort of corner of the country. And um, I was able to learn sort of what they look for in a glass. And I would say that for people who are familiar with the difference in the American and French palates when it comes to wine, um, it's very similar. So whereas in the U.S. Uh, you have you know, wine drinkers like whiskey drinkers really prefer sort of big, bold flavors. They like something that's robust. When you hear someone describing a whiskey that they're really impressed by, um, you know, they'll, they'll say stuff like it'll knock you over. It's uh, just a, a powerhouse. It's a big, uh, bold bourbon. Whereas when I would talk to uh, French folks, when they would be describing a whiskey that they were particularly impressed by, uh, you'll hear more words like elegant, delicate, mm-hmm. refined, balanced. And I think that that's one of the, the big differences. I mean, uh, I, to get really into the specific specifics of the differences uh, of how they like their bourbon too, is that I think one complaint I would hear about French uh, from French whiskey drinkers about bourbon is, oh, it's so simple, it's thin, it's just caramel and vanilla and it's sweet and that's it. And of course, I know being from Kentucky that there's a lot more that bourbon can be. And so I, I tried to really develop a bourbon that was gonna be more um, floral and fruity on the nose and have, uh, have that nose be matched on the palate to have um, more creaminess and texture and weight because the, the French, because they grow up with this tradition of wine tasting, um, they already are really well versed sort of in how to, to taste whiskey and they take that same approach to the way they taste whiskey. So they're, they're looking at the color, they're looking at the nose, they're looking at the palate, they want those to match, they want it to be balanced um, and then to have a nice long finish and, and to have the alcohol well integrated. And I would say these are things that maybe American drinkers are less attuned to, or they might even like the opposite. You know, I know a lot of uh, bourbon drinkers in the US who really only will drink um, barrel proof because they like that um, sort of 
big alcohol flavor. Um, mm -hmm. So it's just a, it's a different sort of um, approach to, to what, what the consumer is looking for. Well, I, I think that you've, you've really explained it very well. A lot of what you're saying has been my experience as well in the U.S. versus France. I always find it interesting, though, that that whiskey is so um, so c consumed so much in France. You know, I, I haven't looked at the stats this year, but I mean, it's it's often one of the highest selling spirits. I'm not talking about all alcohol. It's not it doesn't top out wine, but, you know, it's it's often around two liters per um, per person per year. That's quite a lot because obviously everybody's not drinking it. So um, I wonder what it is. I mean, I don't know if you have an answer. It's not really in the purview of what we were talking about today, but what is it that draws the um, the French to whiskey so much? I mean, they've got so many great, um, you know, different distilled products here with all the different brandies, you know, with cognac or with Calvados or, you know, all these things. So why do they love whiskey so much? You know, I think um, one thing that I've observed is that they approach whiskey as almost a, a way to travel to a different country with their meal. And, you know, one, one stat I will kind of point out with, with the kind of whiskey that the French are drinking, it's almost 90% malt whiskey. So mm -hmm. it's, it's mostly scotch uh, whiskey with some, you know, Japanese, Taiwanese, some other thrown in, but it's by and large scotch whiskey. And, um, and one of the things that I would hear people describe when they're tasting a whiskey that they love from Scotland, it will make them think about a trip they've taken, or even if they've never been to Scotland, they'll say, I feel transported. Like I can, I feel like I'm in the place. And I think that that's a really, um, fantastic way to, to look at it. And it's something that I that I bring into my own whiskey as well, is I want people to have a sense of place, even if maybe they've never been to the US or they've never been to Kentucky to, to get a sense of, you know, what that place is like and, and experience it in a different way. Yeah, I, I think you can always kind of have these romantic ideas of of a place and, and, and seek them out exactly whether you've been there or not. So, okay, well, I think that's an interesting, interesting take on it. It's a question that, uh, you know, I, 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 it kind of is always, not always on my mind, but whenever whiskey comes up, I'm, oh. so I like to hear different, different theories on why it's so popular here. Now we're going to talk specifically about your whiskey, because you really did craft it for a French market, if I understand correctly, right? I did, yes. Indeed. So tell the listeners a little bit how you went about that and, and what makes it special. You know, And listeners, I have tried it, and I can tell you that it is special, but I'm going to let the person who actually makes it explain all of the details behind that. Sure, sure. And I think um, I can sort of step back a minute and explain how I, I came to the idea in the first place, um, because I, when I moved to France, uh, it was in 2017. I had the idea already that I wanted to work with American whiskey in France because I, I remember it even from being a college student that bourbon is kind of not hard to find, but the, the bourbons that you find are, are not um, the highest quality, we'll put it that way. And so I, I, I knew already that I wanted to go to France and I wanted to share American whiskey because that's where I'm from. And one of the things that I've loved most about living in France is, you know, having all the people from all the different regions sharing their sort of local specialty. I think that's such a fantastic way to exchange. And I wanted to sort of bring my um, my home state, my home country's uh, contribution to the world of whiskey. I did not at the beginning have the idea of starting my own uh, brand. And it was sort of across this experience of working with La Maison de Whiskey and seeing 
um, sort of the bourbons that are out there and having conversations primarily with um, scotch drinkers, uh, primarily with people who are collectors of, of uh, you know, single malts and things like that and asking them, well, what do you think about bourbon? And hearing the same response over and over again of, oh, well, you know, I don't, I just don't like bourbon. And so then when I would kind of dig in and say, okay, well, what have you tried? And it was usually, oh, I've had Jack Daniels or I've had Four Roses Yellow Label and it just isn't for me. And it always, I, I thought was sort of a tragedy because, you know, I would say, imagine if I said, you know, I only tried J and B and I decided that I don't like scotch whiskey, mm -hmm. you know, it would be, think of all the, the wonderful things that, that I'd be missing out on. And so then they would say, okay, well, what should we try? And I would sort of look around on the shelves and a lot of the, the higher end whiskeys don't make it here. And it's kind of funny because, you know, in the US we like to laugh and say the French keep all the best wine for themselves. Um, I, I would say we're guilty of that uh, <laughs> when it comes to, to bourbon. And, um, you know, there are some really collector sort of bottles that come in, like you do get the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection and things like that, but they're so hard to get that you already yeah. have to know about them. So it's not, you know, you're never going to walk into a store or even go to a salon and get to try um, some of those whiskeys. So I, I realized that there really was an opportunity to help the French sort of discover what a really exceptional, elegant bourbon is. And then as you were mentioning, sort of the, the different ways that the, the French uh, consume and even buy whiskey is different here too. So one of the things I noted is that, you know, in the US, we don't have so much of a a tradition of boxes. Whereas I learned from Cavies here in France that if you're trying to sell a bottle that's a, you know, a nice quality bottle, you have to have that gift box. Um, because most of the time when people are buying, they're buying it as a gift, um, you mm -hmm. know, to take to a, to a wedding or a, a dinner party or a family member's uh, birthday and things like that. And it's really an important part of the, the experience. And then of course, I wanted to create a whiskey itself that was going to be, you know, completely customized sword towards that palette that I had um, discovered while I was doing tastings for people. And so what I was able to do was, you know, on the one hand, knowing what those expectations uh, and, and hopes were for the French in a whiskey. And on the other hand, being from Kentucky and having a sort of deep knowledge of what you can create with bourbon. Um, what I did was I went to my two associates who are Monica Wolf and Ashley Barnes uh, in Louisville, Kentucky. And I sort of described my, my dream bourbon profile for them for this project. And, you know, I said, I want a nose like this, a palate like this, texture like this, finish like this, the whole nine yards. We did a tasting together to sort of calibrate our, our palates. And then uh, they were able to go out and find the stocks of aged whiskey that we needed. And we created a custom blend specifically to match this profile. And I'm really delighted with how it came out. And I'm incredi incredibly lucky to have them on board. Ashley Barnes is a, a master blender who's worked for Four Roses and Buffalo Trace on some really, really um, of what are now collector's bottles. And, uh, and Monica has deep, deep uh, connections in the industry. And, uh, and they were able to, to help me make something that it, you know, was really special. Yeah. And like I said, I, I've really appreciated it. I've, I've tasted it. And I think you also, you have another, a, a different expression maybe in the works for the future, right? So yeah, um, we have a few in the works. So um, the, the first one I will mention is La Victoire Batch One is the name of it. And uh, that one is created from 11 barrels, as I said, uh, carefully selected and blended um, to create this profile. So we, the oldest that's in there, the sort of core of the bourbon itself is a, a 14, almost 15 year old bourbon. 
um, which then we added a five-year-old, which gave it the sort of weight and creaminess that we wanted, and then a, a dash of a four-year-old that brought that sort of fresh fruit floral notes that we were looking for. And so that is part of uh, what is gonna be the La Victoire range, uh, which is always gonna be like this 100% distilled and aged in the US, but crafted for the French market, for the French palate. Um, I should mention that uh, Two Worlds Whiskey is named after Lafayette, uh, who is called L'Hero des Deux Mondes, the hero of two worlds. And actually each of our ranges is named after a different um, ship that he took between the, France and the US during the revolution. So La Victoire was the, the first ship um, that he actually bought and paid for and filled with men and arms at his own expense uh, against the wishes of the king back in 1777 and came over as a 19 year old um, to, to throw his lot in with us uh, in the revolution, which is a story I find uh, absolutely incredible. Yeah. The, se the second range is called Alliance, which was the, the ship that he took when after he was injured in the Battle of Brandywine back to France, uh, when he he convinced uh, Louis to officially back the U U.S. in the in the war, and so that range, uh, so that's that'll the next uh, batch that we're working on will be the first and the second range and the Alliance range, and the idea with those will be that we will again be importing uh, American whiskey, but we will be doing finishing uh, and, se and secondary maturation in ex. French um, wine and spirits barrels and some mm -hmm. new French uh, oak and maybe some new French other types of, of wood. I'm working with a, a really fabulous cooperage uh, that, that those in the wine industry will know for sure in the cognac industry, which is Segan Moreau mm -hmm. uh, in cognac to, to make some custom barrels for that, which is really, really exciting. Uh, and then the third range will be called the Hermione range or L'Hermione. Uh, which is a ship that's quite famous here in France. There's actually a replica of it that you can visit in La Rochelle. It's incredible. Uh, and that is the, the last ship that Lafayette came over um, with the official backing of France um, in the sort of last trip before the, the war was won. And so that is the range that I'm actually the most excited about and I think is going to be the most innovative. And for that one, we're going to be taking um, younger to possibly just new make uh, American distillate and doing the the primary maturation in France in French oak. And so it, it will no longer be a bourbon. Uh, you can still sort of think of it as a bourbon style whiskey, but it's gonna have a completely different profile because the, the French oak will really bring a lot more structure, a lot more tannins, a little spiciness um, to the, the, the whiskey that I think will create a completely new sort of category of, of, of true French American whiskey. Well, that sounds very exciting. I, I, I love the sound of all these projects and just sort of the backstory as well. Not just the, the product sounds like it's going to be super exciting, but I love all the thought that's gone into it and the ties, the Franco-American ties. So um, just, you know, you were talking about the boxes. It made me think my husband, he's French. And, um, and every time a bottle arrives at our place in a box, he always wants to keep it in the box. These aren't even things we're giving yeah. away as gifts. It's like, it just drives me bananas. He doesn't listen. So he will never hear me complaining about this, but, um, but you know, I have so, we have limited space, especially in a Parisian apartment. Right. And, but sure. he always, and I just feel like that's so impractical. You've got to open the box every time, pull it out, but it's part of the the ceremony for him when he's exactly. um, sharing it with somebody at the end of the meal. It's like, look at this lovely whiskey or look at this nice Calvados that we have. And it came from the, from the maker and it's in this box. So yeah, the French do and myself as a, an American, a Franco-American, but uh, you know, primarily an American get the box out of the way. It just takes up space. And, and yeah, it just made me laugh when you mentioned that. Um, anyway, that's side, I'm sidetracking us. 
I want to really quickly, um, I, I want you to tell the listeners where we can get your products, but really quickly, just before, I want to know what you think, if you've tasted a lot of French whiskeys, because France is pretty new to whiskey. I mean, new as from, you know, maybe about the, in the 1980s, but to whiskey distillation, and you see a lot more French whiskey right now. How do you think it compares to um, bourbon or American whiskey? And, and then I want to hear about where we can get your products. Sure. So I think the the universe of, of French whiskey is really exciting, and it's a it's a category that's really grown up. I think in the last ten years, um, you see a lot of new craft distilleries popping up, and we're just starting to get to the age where we're getting to taste, you know, four or five, six, even in some cases, ten year old uh, French whiskey. So we're just now really starting to get a clear sense of of what sort of the character is. And I think at the beginning there was this feeling of there was a lot of the French whiskey. I mean, and it still is mostly malt whiskey. Uh, so it's mostly, you know, entirely barley uh, whiskey, which is more of the sort of Scotch or Japanese tradition. But I think you're seeing a lot of distillers now sort of playing with that and sort of trying to, to shape their own identity that is different than that. And I think that's what's really exciting. Um, so you see some distillers who are using different grains, who are using, you know, um, black weed and buckwheat and things like this that are that are more traditional. And you're seeing more distilleries that are, um, you know, really going from grain to glass. And I think that it's a, a category to watch. Again, it's still young. I mean, I think and we can we can look at the US craft market in the same way, you know, 10. 20 years ago, people were, would say, oh, craft whiskey is no good. You have to go to the big boys to get something that's worth something. But it just takes time. You know, whiskey is a slow, slow process. And um, I think that with French whiskey, we've, we've got a lot uh, to watch. But one thing I would love to see, um, and maybe we'll end up doing it ourselves one day, is, is to have a, a more... American style French whiskey, just in the sense of, of using, breaking away from that barley uh, pattern a little bit and really sort of playing with that category even a little bit more. Okay. I know. I feel like I'm kind of rushing you along because I see I'm like, oh, we're running out of time and it's not my time. It's the radio station's constraint. So um, I'm going to talk to you more about <laughs> French whiskey offline, but can you tell listeners where they can get if they're located in France or if it's possible where they could get it if they're located in the US, where can we get your whiskey? Sure. So if you're living in France, you have lots of different options. Um, so the first is you can actually just go to twoworldswhiskey.com uh, and that's two worlds whiskey spelled with an E, the American way. Um, and you can ship, there's free shipping throughout France. You can also go to uh, any of your sort of main uh, whiskey cavies in France. We're, we're uh, sold by the boutiques La Maison de Whiskey in Paris. We're sold at Whiskey Shop Paris, uh, La Source in Toulouse, Les Grands Alambiques uh, in Chambéry and in most places where you'll find uh, uh, fine spirits were there. Um, if you are outside of the United States, then there you have a couple, or sorry, if you're outside of France, especially if you're in the United States, because I do have quite a few customers who are interested in getting bottles in the US, um, I do have two of my shops that can ship to most states in the US. So that's Whiskey Shop Paris um, can, can ship to them and also must have malts uh, in the Netherlands. And okay. for any listeners in the UK, we're also carried by Master of Malt. Good. Those are all like nice, big, reputable, reputable names. I'll put them in the show notes if people want to follow up on that. But, uh, but they're probably also names that a lot of my listeners are already familiar with and shopping at. So, um, and what is your Instagram handle if people want to find you online? It's Two Worlds Whiskey. So it's uh, T W O W R L D S W H I S K E Y. Okay. Uh, I'll put that also listeners in the show notes, but sometimes people don't, don't, don't feel like looking at the show notes, but just a little clue. If you're doing this podcast form, they are in the notes actually literally on the, on the screen of the um, episode. So now 
you know, I do a cocktail recipe every month and I'm going to already tell the listeners that, that, that this is a whiskey that should really be, you know, enjoyed straight. And I forced you to come and bring a, a cocktail recipe. So can you share, um, your cocktail recipe with the, with the listeners? Of course. Yeah. So if I, if I was ever going to make a cocktail with this, which as you said, it's really intended to be, to, to be drank neat. And um, that's really what it was created for. But uh, I will say I have had uh, this whiskey in an old fashioned, which is uh, by and far my favorite cocktail and was also invented in my, my home city and is the official cocktail of Louisville, Kentucky. So I think it's a, a perfect choice for this. Um, I imagine your listeners already know how to make an old fashioned, but if you don't, it is uh, one of my favorite cocktails because it is so versatile. So when I am making it, of course, I'm using bourbon uh, and it's a very simple recipe where basically you have simple syrup, you have your spirit and you have bitters. So when I'm making an old fashioned, I, if you're using a Japanese jigger, I usually will do just half the small side of my simple syrup. I will do, you know, one whole large side uh, of the bourbon. So for those who are measuring, that's about 10 milliliters of simple syrup to about 50 milliliters of bourbon. And then I always add uh, Angostura, which is the, the classic sort of traditional bitters, but I also do uh, orange and chocolate bitters, which goes excellent uh, with nice. a bourbon. Okay. Well, with that, I'm going to say thank you very much for joining us. That was super interesting. And, uh, and I'm going to close up our episode for the day because I can see I'm already running over time, but it, there was just so much to talk about. Um, so thank you very much for coming. More info in the show notes if anybody needs them. That is a wrap. Um, if you're looking for more cocktail and drinks talk between shows, go over to 52martinis.com. If you want to have us in your pocket, and you can download our iOS app, Paris Cocktails, for guide to Paris cocktail bars. And additional thanks to World Radio Paris for editing and production and to Sun Little for the music we use. As always, I remind you to drink responsibly. And until next time, cheers. Oh,